0: Ask it, G, Thank you enough for dropping in. Yesterday, a high school senior shot his grandmother in the face in Uvalde, Texas. Leaving her wounded, he then got into his truck, crashed it near the Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, got out of his truck, and wearing a tactical vest... Headed through the south door of the school carrying an assault rifle and 375 rounds of ammunition, he barricaded himself in a classroom and proceeded to massacre two teachers and 19 little kids. The shooting ended when a tactical unit from the Border Patrol arrived at the school, stormed the building, and shot and killed the high school kid. Now, never in my life, never have I dreamed I'd ever open the lighthearted, upbeat, cheerful, Ask Jean podcast with such a story. But stay with me. I'm going to attempt to wedge a bit of solace for all of us with Mr. Daniel M. Lavery. Call her on the phone
1: Call her on the phone When you're all alone Darling, ask Eugene Ask Eugene Ask Eugene Good old
0: Auntie E will fix your shit hello 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 and you're right we're upside down and underwater today this is a very somber day but one lucky occurrence has happened by chance by the merest chance the illustrious danny m lavery has he was scheduled weeks ago to be on the ask Eugene gene show and Danny Lavery is one of the best men on earth to help us through our sadness and anger. Danny Lavery is the beloved. Wait, did I say beloved? No, no, no. Worshipped. 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 Worshipped advice columnist, dear prudence. Or he was dear prudence until they lured him away. And by lured, I mean Substack offered $182 million uh, for uh Danny to come over and write the Chatner on Substack. Um, And Danny has, well, I don't want to exaggerate, okay, but I'll just say Danny writes the funniest Substack of all Substacks. Um, Just to break that somber mood for a minute to tell you a little bit about Danny. He, right now, he also um, hosts one of the, most popular advice column uh podcast in history uh is called big mood little mood and he is the author of something that may shock and discredit you isn't that a great title now i can't help it you know just introducing danny i'm getting out of the somber mood but i can't help it is a riot the book is a riot uh, it's certainly the most hilarious book ever written about transitioning. I got to say that. And practically everything else too. Thank you, Danny. I can hear you. You're, you're here. Um, uh, thank you for coming on.
1: <laughs> thank you. You know, I hardly know where to begin. I've just, I've never heard anyone say you made $182 million. And then <laughs> I shouldn't exaggerate. Um, it, just to be clear, I'm not uh, making this phone call from a pile of money. Uh, I, I did not make one hundred and eighty-two million dollars, but if I did, I would still want to be here speaking with you. No,
0: oh, thank you, Dan. Uh, uh, okay, so uh, Substack didn't pay you one hundred. But listen, uh, why not? Because you do <laughs> have the funniest Substack of all the Substacks. Uh, we, we know we've all watched. I mean, you got the head. You were on the front page of the New York Times, Danny. You and your uh, beautiful wife, uh, Grace Lavery, on the front page of the Times. Embracing, talking about Substack, uh, that's uh, uh, where I got that. I'm just guessing $182 million, It may not be that. Okay, so it's close. It's very close. Um, Danny, we have uh, an opportunity here uh, to use your famous skills for taking very complicated, horrible situations and giving – caring kind but doable advice mm-hmm. so i'm going to start off with three questions and comments that just came in from barbara f i want to get out of this country and take all my family with me our friends here are just as appalled as we are i wish we all could leave en masse. Mm-hmm. from marilyn johnson sick sick at heart, sick of watching another generation wiped out and its survivors traumatized. And then Marilyn offers a solution. What if gun manufacturers were liable? And then from Linda Paul, Powell. Some days, I just want off this planet. It's been my life's work to make things better as an activist. But some days, I just don't see a way to stop the old white men who run this show. I can't Stop crying. I feel defeated and hopeless. How do we handle this helplessness, Danny? Mm.
1: You know, so much of that um, makes, you know, uh, sad sense to me. I think feeling a sense of impossibility about one's current location in the wake of, you know, another elementary school shooting. Right, you know, It's a horrifying thing to say. It's a horrifying thing to countenance. I can really appreciate and um, uh, uh, affirm that desire uh, for, you know, the lives of the people who directly profit off of gun violence, especially in this country, should be made unbearable, um, unbearable immediately, unbearable every minute of the day, um, unbearable from every living and breathing person in this country um, until they have to stop. And that can feel both um, energizing and possible and also daunting and far off. Um, so I just, that's a lot of words just to say that makes a lot of sense to me as a response. Um, and, and certainly some version of uh, make it unbearable to profit off of gun violence uh, has got to be part of the answer. And that work has to be done collectively.
0: I, I agree. Um, uh, we have uh, from Arizona Lama, uh a listener. A reader who says, I, as a retired Arizona teacher, I listened to the Texas politicians today say the answer is to arm teachers. What the fuck? I worked, she says, I worked with educators who could never get the laminator to work right. And we're supposed to carry guns now? Danny, how do we handle, how do we take the suggestions these stupid suggestions from the politicians.
1: I, you know, part, part of me goes back to make life unbearable uh, for them. Um, but, but yes, I mean, I share your sense of, uh, you know, shock and horror that someone would even float the idea of uh, arming teachers. Uh, either, either that that ought to fall under the sort of scope of somebody who, who is paid maybe, you know, $40,000 a year, Right, uh, already with fewer resources than they would have had a generation or two ago, and then to add on top of that, you need to be Rambo uh, ready at a moment's yeah. notice to assess a threat and start shooting. Uh, it's just you know um, uh, beyond belief, uh, as as I'm sure you know, we we all already know the the idea that simply uh, arming more people and telling everyone to be on high <gasps> alert for the next right. mass shooter does not result in uh, numerous mass shootings being prevented because somebody takes the guy out before he kills everybody. You know, there were armed guards uh, at the school yesterday.
0: Yes, um, there were. And he blasted right past them. Apparently the armed guard went right past him shooting. And, and, uh, uh I wasn't there. I didn't see it. Uh, but, uh, just to go back two minutes to what you said about unbearable, make their lives unbearable. Uh, Whose lives are you talking about when you say make them unbarrowed? Well, but let's just set out the parameters here. Yeah. Uh, you know, certainly I was thinking uh, in terms of
1: um, the original question, which had had to do with, uh, you know, gun manufacturers, anyone responsible right. for, for selling right. um, sort of, you know, uh, the kinds of weapons that are used in, in mass shootings, um, as well as the, the later question had to do with lawmakers who were suggesting right. we arm teachers. Right. Um, anyone I think either directly responsible in legislation or widespread profit from gun violence should be, I right. think, uh, you know, a part of this uh, conversation about how to uh, make their lives difficult and uncomfortable. You know, we saw this last Last week, two weeks ago, um, when the leaked uh, news about the Roe decision came down and people started assembling outside of um, Brett Kavanaugh's house. We also saw how quickly uh, Congress moved to uh, increase security measures around the houses of uh, uh, people related to Supreme Court justices. Um, You know, as as people say, direct action often direct
0: action. And of course, Danny. Um, you are not allowed to carry a gun into the Supreme Court. Not allowed. You can't carry a gun into the Senate. You can't carry a gun into the House of Representatives. But apparently, you can carry a gun anywhere in Texas. You can carry a gun into a school in Texas. Just this, this, I agree completely, 100% with your uh, analysis to make life unbearable. Because... Um, uh, Danny, I once went to a gun show, mm-hmm. and it was called, I couldn't help myself, it was called The the Biggest Gun Show, The Greatest Gun Show in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. So I went to the gun show, and first of all, they kept asking me if I didn't want to go to the antiques uh, show, which was next door, but mm-hmm. no, I did want to go on the gun show. And so everybody's wearing camouflage, and it is uh, floor to ceiling, hard, you know, just every kind of weapon. Every kind of weapon that, and uh, I went over to. Uh, they kicked me out because I opened up my iPhone to take a picture, and boy, they escorted me out. But before I was escorted out, I talked to a young father who was head to toe in camouflage. He had two little kids with him, all uh, you know, duded out in camouflage. And I said, uh, "Why are you buying guns?" And he said, "To protect." my family and i said but to protect your family from whom and he said what and i said are you protecting your family from that guy across the aisle who's buying guns with his family and the guy said no i'm protecting (laughs) he said i'm protecting myself against women who ask questions that's when i was asked to leave um so they do say they they buy. Uh, there's a reason be, behind that they're wanting to buy guns. They want to buy guns to protect themselves. That's what they say. But you and I know it's not about that. It's about money, isn't it? What you uh, said, yeah, it's about,
1: huh? I gosh, I just you know, it, it just feels there's something just so unbelievably painful and sad. About just, I, I feel like this should just be a no-brainer. Like whatever we have to do, collectively know, in the country, to make sure you know, little first graders and second graders can go to school every day and not get shot. Uh, just we should we should do whatever it takes. It's it's, it's baffling to me that that's not the most popular uh, objective on anyone's like. It just feels like we should be able to get a hundred percent across the board unanimous whatever it takes sentiment on. Protect first graders from getting shot. Uh,
0: I agree. And yeah. here's here's a comment from Carol B. Who says, "I did not lose a loved one today, or in Buffalo, or in Laguna Woods. Uh, buffalos were tops, where the uh, mostly over fifty black people were just gunned down, and Laguna Woods is where the Asian uh, at the church uh, just gunned down." So. Then she goes on to say, these are just the most recent mass shootings. I'm exhausted and fed up by it. I'm in Los Angeles area, so I already... Here's the problem that you just brought up, Danny. She says, I am in Los Angeles, so I already have senators and congressmen who support gun control. But I think I now need to bug the hell out of my senators to do away with the damn filibuster to get something done on this topic. See? When you say, hey, we came and get the damn filibuster, Danny.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, sorry. I mean, it's so funny. I, I, I You know, I was like, um... Uh, raised quite religious, and I'm not a religious no. person now, but I think so often in this kind of scenario, the the parable of the unjust judge in Luke 18, uh, which is just about this incredibly corrupt and indifferent judge who is just being irritated day after day by the same widow seeking justice. And she just makes his life so difficult that eventually, with no more interest in justice than he had been previously, he finally does the right thing just to get rid of her.
0: Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah uh, huh. danny, yeah just
1: just become annoying uh become so annoying that someone will give you anything you want uh,
0: now danny so you, you know away. you know that <laughs> well first of all uh danny of course is is the daughter of a very very famous uh evangelical pastor of the menlo church uh john ortberg her mother's a famous pastor There's been some controversy, which we're going to get into another show. But Danny knows her Bible. And, uh, um, you know, Danny, I'm I'm uh, Republicans are not going to bud, even if we irritate them, because they're not you cannot irritate them. They have we're in a minority rule here situation and they don't have they they ignore us. Uh, yeah, I mean the, the Democrats don't have a, a stellar track record on
1: that one either, and um, it does. I think I agree. I suggest uh, it suggests to me that um, more needs to be done. Uh, if what has happened previously has been easy to ignore, um, that calls for escalation. That calls for um, additional tactics.
0: Um, oh yeah, I, I, I got some yeah. ideas for tactics. We got we're going to get to the tactics part here, and I know. Uh, yeah. um, and before we get to the taxi, prime, uh, Danny, I'm going to bring up something which is, which is a terrible thing to bring up at this point. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is a New York Times headline from this afternoon. In the wake of massacres, the Supreme Court is poised to expand gun rights. The subhead, the new case before the Supreme Court is a test of constitutionality laws requiring licenses to carrying guns in public. The Supreme Court is going to strike down New York's uh, give a good reason to carry a gun in uh, concealed. They're going to strike it down. They're going to expect. They're not going to limit gun uh, control. They are going to expand gun rights. Expand. This Supreme Court is going to expand uh, gun rights.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, as you may already know, uh, the Observer reported today that the share prices of the largest uh, firearm manufacturers in the United States uh, went up significantly uh, yeah. after news of the shooting broke. Yeah, so, went up 10%, on, 10%. On yeah, stock prices go up and people buy more guns after mass shootings, um, which is, uh, you know, can sometimes feel counterintuitive, but in fact is very predictable.
0: Well, we could start, you know, we could, we could, we could start in, in motion to, uh, withdraw Kavanaugh from the Supreme Court. We could do that. We could, you know, uh, but we've, there's only so much we can do about the Supreme Court, which is, you know, the, uh, uh, impeachment would, you know, drag out forever. Be, they'd be passing gun laws, 15 of them, before we ever got around to that. So. It's just another thing that we're going to be hit by, so we have to we have to be prepared for that. Here's a question from Stacy La Rosa: I'm sickened. I have five grands in gun-humper states. I can't, for the life of me, get my head wrapped around this uh, wrapped around this Jesus gun babies bullshit. When they've done more to kill people off protecting fetuses. Yeah, this is driving me crazy. Is this this you know? Why does a tiny area of less people than live in my building have more sway than huge urban areas then Stacy added are you ready for this Danny Mm -hmm. a couple of hours later she wrote I wrote this first thing in the morning pissed off as hell when I was was done I had broken three nails and one broken heart man I feel that one I do too she, you know, she lives in a big urban area and uh, the minority control the Senate. And, you know, um, we are going to have before the show is over, you and I and the, and the readers and the listeners are going to come up with a solution. Watch us. Watch this. <laughs>
1: all right. Well I, I I hope to share some of your optimism and you know, again, as as devastating and bleak as so much of this can be is I I do truly believe most people, maybe not most of the people in power, but most people want children not to be shot at school. And I really believe if we all put our heads together and we dedicate as much of our time and energy to this uh as, as we can, um, you know there is power on the people. And I think that the people want kids to go to school and be
0: okay. I really really do. Yes, Danny, that's exactly what you just said. Yes, we have the majority. Uh, What is it, 70, 80% of Americans want gun control. You know, that, you exactly said it. Um, But uh, do you want to hear from a gun owner now? I'll defer to you. This is your show, absolutely. Well, I, I'm going to give you my show because we're going to come up with a celebrity here. Uh, by the way, Danny's podcast, which is called Big Mood, Little Mood, uh, as you can hear, Danny's voice is is mellifluous. And uh, I have, for those people who cannot sleep, Danny, you know what's coming. For the Hi. people who, can, you. Who, who cannot sleep. During these days of having our rights taken away over our bodies, Roe v. Wade, and now getting hit with this, I have a solution just for your insomnia. I have found that if I get into bed wearing my headphones, listening to Danny's podcast called Big Mood, Little Mood, Danny's voice will put me to sleep in under two minutes. I mean, that's
1: either very, very faint praise or such a beautiful Beautiful compliment. It's,
0: I wish I could. It's it a back. wonderful thing. It doesn't work <laughs> if I'm doing dishes or driving or vacuuming. That you know, then I'm perky. But your voice you can really—it's calming. It wow. almost doesn't matter to me what you're saying. It's just, you know, when I'm going to sleep, Danny Today, it matters what yeah. you're saying. You know, you yeah. know what I mean. Okay. I do. So
1: he, I do. Well, if anytime you need me to just read off the phone book, I'll, I'll send over a. Uh, phone
0: call.
1: Are you serious? i couldn't go to sleep
0: oh, last night
1: i mean not the whole phone book i do have okay. other work that uh-huh. i have to get to but i you know i could do a couple minutes
0: oh thank god okay now here we're going to hear from deanna deanna one of our favorite people at ask eugene deanna owes a gun and she's going to tell us about it she says i'm a very efficient and adept shot i learned young i'm skilled enough that has been teased, Deanna can shoot a hair off a gnat's ass and not disturb the others around it. But I'm not flipping about firearms. Actually, very few people even know how to handle one these days. They are dangerous. They are not to be taken lightly. If you don't have any training with them, you have no business handling one. There is one firearm that I've never laid hands on and never will. A rapid fire weapon that use, should be used only in war. The reason they were designed was for war. Not for hunting. Not for target practice. We do not need them. With all that said, people need to get a grip and stop hollering about losing the second amendment rights we won't lose those rights that's not what the powers that be are trying to do everybody with good sense sees what is actually trying to be done eliminate the damn assault weapons we don't need them what do you think you know I'm, i'm i'm right there
1: i can see i can see why this is one of your favorite listeners
0: Oh, she's great. That's Deanna's dog. She calls herself Deanna's dog, but it's actually Deanna mm. herself who's, who's saying that. Mm. So we understand we're, we're not trying to take... Uh, Mary Trump believes that all guns should be taken away. Mm. Deanna believes, stop trying to do that because you'll never win that by just get rid of the assault wa- weapons. What do you think, Danny? You know, I can understand that as a tactic.
1: We do, you know, beyond the, the general sentiment of I think direct action is good and I think first graders shouldn't be shot at school. I feel very confident in my opinions there. The further we get out into specifics uh, when it comes to either like legislative next step or direct action yeah. next steps, I do... want to just, you know, mention I'm not an expert. I want to listen to and defer to other people who have been doing more specific work in this field for a while. Uh, But certainly, I think there's a real advantage to starting with um, widespread actions that have, you know, got widespread support and beginning there and building onwards once you've done something that you think might be easiest to um, get the most people on board about. So uh, at least along those lines, that seems quite reasonable and understandable to me.
0: I, uh, Danny have you ever fired a gun I have not Really uh, I, uh, Did your father fire a gun you, Was he a gun owner uh, No not. I mean I couldn't swear
1: to it That he never uh, would have gone to a range With, with friends but I don't believe so uh, I grew up partly in California, partly in the Midwest. Um, right. I knew some people whose parents owned guns. Uh, right. But it was a fair, you know, we were fairly close to a major city. So it wasn't, right. um, there wasn't a lot of hunting and fishing in, in our neighborhood. Right. Um, so it, I, I don't at least remember that being a, a significant uh, subculture. Um,
0: well, Danny, I think you'll come out to the house here. We'll shoot mm-hmm. some bow and arrow, okay? We'll shoot right- I, Well, I'm I'm not such a graceful, you know, person
1: with such a beautiful memory that I would say you should hand me a bow and arrow
0: or a gun. I would maybe say, keep me keep me doing safer activities. Really? Okay. All right. All right. All right. So now that we're talking about the guns themselves, here are some statistics. This comes from Nick Kristoff's piece in The New York Times. There are more guns in America than any other country. We all knew that. There are about 300 million guns in America, or one gun per person. And here's the interesting part of that. Only 3% of Americans own 200 million guns. Uh, Danny, have you ever gotten a letter from somebody whose boyfriend or girlfriend that owns a bunch of guns and they're nervous? I believe so, yeah. And I think I'd gotten a letter or two from
1: somebody who was especially unsure how to deal with visiting extended family members who had friends right. that they didn't lock up or make sure were right. securely stored uh, when they brought their kids around.
0: So, what'd you tell them to do? Uh,
1: you know, I think fairly straightforwardly uh, don't go. Um, you know, if you, especially <laughs> in, in that question, you know, right. it was like, I've got a five year old and a three year old. Uh, who are not right. necessarily going to listen to me if I say, don't go looking for any interesting looking toys. Um, and I said, yeah, that one's pretty straightforward. If someone's not going to lock up their guns and you got a talk right. like coming over, say, right. great, I can meet you at a restaurant or not at all. Your pick. That, one's, that was uh, easy.
0: That Well, that's what you're famous for. You, um, you receive a letter and you tidy up the mess. That's the Danny Lavery way. You get the letter. You don't show off. You don't do any cool, you know, bullshit. You just get right to the solution. Don't go. I, you know, that's, that's brilliant. And I mean, part uh, of
1: that was always just the word count limit. You know, you had a, a number of questions that you had to get through in an hour. Right. Not a lot of time to come up with a great catchphrase. Um, and so, also, of course, you know, I like to gravitate towards the low-hanging fruit. You know, the really difficult thorny questions would often <laughs> take longer to answer, but I feel pretty <laughs> confident in don't put your toddler around a mystery missing gun in somebody's house. Easy. Super no, you Super know, chocolate.
0: No, Danny, I, I, it seems simple. Most advice columnists, not the great ones, not the ones who we worship, not Dan Savage, not Cheryl Strayed, not Heather Havaleski, not Ask Amy, not, you know, not the people, not the great advice columnists in the, in the pantheon. They, they would go straight to that. But many advice columnists will, will will twaddle around with all the permutations of, well, this piss off your uncles and well, you know, do, you know, and it just goes on and on and on. And of course the simple thing is to take action and it's do it. Or don't do it, right? Don't go. I think there's a lot to be said for
1: that one. I mean, I, I think I've mostly read The Greats, so I don't, I don't at least have a strong memory of reading a lot of people who would go on and on for pages. But uh, I, oh, I can certainly on. believe <laughs> that, that there are folks out there who, who would. And, and certainly I know plenty of people who just treat not getting into a fight with a difficult relative as yeah. their only goal. Uh, And I can certainly understand where that desire comes from. But boy, oh, boy, you can't live your life that way. Um,
0: I received a letter about six years ago, right? Oh, right around the Trump uh, election. um, When when we all thought that Hillary was going to win by, you know, 90 percent, we thought this is going to be embarrassing for Trump. And I got a letter from a young woman who lived in Florida and her boyfriend kept an arsenal of guns in the basement. She mentioned that fact in passing. Her question was, he won't let me sleep uh, in my pajamas at night. He won't let me wear a nightgown. He won't let me wear a T-shirt. He demands that I'm naked. And, and that was her problem. And, of course, that indicates he was controlling everything. And she was in a very dangerous situation. When a man won't let you, isn't that, isn't, doesn't that terrify you just to hear that?
1: Yeah. And I think that's always such a difficult aspect of, especially because so much of advice giving uh, through a column form is, is slightly anonymized. I don't know if you always have the contact information, but there's the, the sort of question of, I don't know where you are exactly or how to get in touch with you. And then the fear of how do I Communicate the gravity and the seriousness right, of the situation right. without putting you off, because very uh, few people will hear. I believe your partner is abusive and dangerous and a threat to your safety, and immediately say, "Great, thanks for letting me know. I'll leave right now." Um, boy, is that even right? if they even if they do understand it or share that sense, um, it's often very complicated for them to be able to avow it, and then beyond avowing it, there's also the question of how can i get out of here safely if right. it were just a question of doing so easily i would have done that already um and so that's i think often the hardest part of that job
0: um and it's just uh, well don't you don't you find that uh when people write in with a problem if you tell them what they what they already want to do they will follow your advice you know that's interesting i you know i only get occasional updates from letter writers and if I
1: were to guess, I would think that I probably am likelier to hear from someone who took my advice because they would be more inclined to want to tell me. But I've always sort of assumed that you know, there's a decent chance that anyone who writes in won't then read the column every week until I answer their question. They might wait for a couple of weeks and then drop off or they might
0: get an answer
1: somewhere else or they might Read it and then not. T- I I don't know. I guess this is all just to say I never assumed that the majority of people asking my advice then took my advice. I tended to think they're probably just looking to get another opinion. Right. They'll probably do what they wanted to do to begin with. Maybe I don't know. A quarter of the time I will convince someone to do something slightly differently, but right. I have no. You know I'm I'm in my home, I don't know these people. I can't follow up with them and make sure they do anything. I've always sort of assumed they're going to do what they want.
0: Uh, Let me ask you then, uh, Danny, um, your, your podcast, uh, big mood, little mood. That's an advice column. You take two (laughs) letters, generally two letters, each podcast, sometimes three. Um, Do you find that you have more effect that people tend to do follow your advice more if they hear you telling them or if, or is it? Was it through your writing? As of course, let me remind everybody. Danny was Dear Prudence. Danny got. Am might not uh, Correct me here. I think you got like three hundred letters a week at Dear Prudence, right?
1: It was quite a few, uh, you know, because the Dear Prudence column is is one of such long standing. You know, right. it began at Slate back in the late nineties, um, and there were uh, several Prudences before me, and Janae Desmond Harris right. is, is now Prudence after me. So right. it was a well known column, a right. pretty big built in audience. So there were just already lots of letters coming in on a regular basis so um one of the things that uh we started doing after i've been there for a few months was they have a lot of other advice columns at slate and so right right i had gone through and taken the handful that i would be answering that week um then they could spread them out to other oh um, which was a really nice way because you know obviously you can't always answer every letter but it was nice to know well we got a lot of letters we might as well have a lot of people try to answer them
0: well, it's well, – what, what what do you think? Do you think your written answers ha- have more effect to get people – because some people write in with terrible, terrible situations. They really, really – we find that at the little Ask Eugene substack that we're doing, uh, people are in dire cir- circumstances, and I answer the question, and then uh, my substack readers, the great conflap, they answer it too. So my question – the people send uh, questions to Ask Eugene – They only get my yammering. They get all these really brilliant people who've come from all these different ages and backgrounds. And, you know, um, it's great. So they get a lot of uh, angles. Um, But I'm not sure how a podcast works. You know, this is only my fifth podcast. You're the number five. I mean, I don't know. You're doing great. (laughs) (laughs) You just crack me up. (laughs) You know, I don't I'm, just know. I, the,
1: I'm, I'm just returning the, I'm just returning the many compliments you have been giving uh, okay. on to me.
0: Thank you. I don't know if we have, do you have as much effect through a podcast as through a written column? That's my question. Yeah. I, I think I, I'm not sure. I will say
1: that since I have moved away from doing the advice column and I now just do that weekly podcast, I yeah. do get more updates. Um, oh. so that, again, could just be a function of, I now answer fewer questions. And so the people who I do, uh, answer are maybe more likely to, to want to keep up lines of communication. But, uh, I think maybe, yeah, I think, I think maybe if you're, if you're listening to an entire 50 minute show right. to try to get to your answer, you're probably fairly invested and likely oh. to at least, uh, take my advice under consideration. But again, I really do try to stress, you know. I'm giving this advice based on one or two paragraphs about, uh, your life that you have given to me. Uh, you know, your life better than I do. I have no legal authority over you. I can't go to your house and say, Hey, did you do what I said? So, uh, ultimately, you know, the choice is yours and you might decide that I had good intentions, but missed out or, uh, was simply wrong. So.
0: Well, that, uh, okay. I'm going to take that in with you, uh, What you say, whatever it is,
1: kind of nice, right? Because it removes the pressure. Otherwise, a lot of responsibility for strangers' well-being.
0: Also, I I love talking to people. I just love it to have the voice to voice. You know, where they can correct me when I'm wrong instantly. Uh, If we do it by mail, you know, you know, or email or what, it takes longer. Um, (laughs) I like the voice to voice thing. And speaking of voice to voice, (laughs) Japan has one gun per 100 people and less gun deaths per year than we have in one school shooting. Can you believe that, you know? um, uh, uh, America's private arsenal is 30 times bigger than Australia's. Mm -hmm. And in America, cars kill as many people every year as guns. So we're going to have some... uh, ideas around that um, here's my solution mm-hmm. Danny <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to do what they do in New Zealand which is they just paid everybody for their guns mm-hmm. of course they're run by uh, a woman and uh, she said bring, your, bring me your guns I'll give you a bunch of money and it worked there's one solution Another solution is support uh, organizations uh, like Everytown. Uh, My sister, Candy. Hello, Candy. I think you're listening. Here's a, uh, Danny. Here's what Candy said. Hmm. Every, you're going to love this, Danny, because this one we can do. Every single gun owner must carry liability insurance for every gun in their possession. Those already in circulation and those sold in the future. So that guy who I mentioned in in Florida who had the arsenal on his base, he'd have to have insurance on every single one of those motherfuckers. What do you think?
1: Gosh, you know, I I love the, uh, you know, ambition and the intensity of these solutions. I'm invigorated by it. And, uh, you know, I'm amazed – hearing you mention the car and the gun. Um, oh, yeah. Same yeah. sentence. Yeah. You know, uh, not to, you know, continually bang the drum of uh, let's like reinvest in walkable cities. Um, but I, I really do <laughs> think that there are ways that like car culture and gun culture go hand in hand. Yeah. Both in terms of certain myths of uh, self-sufficiency and, and letting your neighbor, you know, go die. Uh, right. As well as just... Um, uh, prioritizing the freedom to uh, demolish over the freedom to live together safely in community. Um, and so I think, you know, there's the uh, uh, Cars Ruined Cities project, uh, right. which is one that is, again, like a little hyperbolic, but, you know, it's, it's not wrong either. No, uh, it's not wrong. And it didn't, you know, like I'm sure you are familiar with and your listeners are familiar with the creation of jaywalking as a crime, Uh, the fact that in the 10s and 20s and 30s, there was a sort of ongoing battle between pedestrians who had historically made up a pretty significant part of traffic in cities, um, pushing back against cars, mowing people down. Uh, And then, you know, car companies getting together and saying, you know what, let's really stress the message that jaywalking is foolish Oh no! I didn't know that. Means you're not aware enough of your surroundings. You're not suave and urbane. You're a fool, and <laughs> you're responsible for whatever happens to you. And that, you know, campaign really went somewhere, such that now there's just, you know, people don't even question the idea that if you get mowed down in the street by this massive two thousand pound wow. metal monstrosity, you know, you should have looked more carefully. That was, you know, somebody else had to get somewhere in eight minutes.
0: Um, but listen, we, just, again, we don't have to look that way. Well, let's look at the cars. You want to talk about uh, the car thing? Vehicle owners have to carry liability insurance. And we have regulated cars. You cannot, you cannot drive 80 miles an hour in New York City. You have to drive 25 miles an hour. We're regulating. We're regulating. Why can't we regulate guns? We're regulating cars. 55 miles an hour. You know, you have to have insurance. You can't drink and drive. We've got all these rules. You know, I will say
1: for my, my own part, I think, uh, especially if we try to connect them all with the idea of a livable future and the idea of how we are going to try to contend with the parts of climate change that are no longer reversible, as well as some of the parts that might be uh, ameliorated. Um, I, I think probably it's going to look less like regulation and more like we have to start living without cars and without guns very soon. Oh. Um, so I think that's probably where my tendencies Whoa. lie. Um, but, you know, I, I think that that again cuz my goal is just i would like lots and lots of people to be alive healthy and safe uh, i i know as long you as and, the earth this year
0: oh danny uh well what do you say to just hot, big fat taxes on guns to pay for, um, for you know, schools to pay for education i'll i'll hear that argument i'll, I'll join that meeting i'll
1: i'll see whatever, let's do that whatever ideas one. we can come up with
0: let's okay let's do Way high tax. You know what? Look what we did with smoking. We tax cigarettes. You now to buy a package of cigarettes in New York, I think, is $155 for a pack of cigarettes. Uh, and it helps pay for schools. Um, okay, so here is a question, comment from Ann S. Borney. So tired and angry over school shootings, I left. Here's what Ann did. Mm-hmm. I left terse messages to my two Republican senators who both received millions from the NRA. We need to make noise and raise a ruckus. Call your senators. Uh, Do you think that works? Uh, uh, Annie thinks it works.
1: Yeah. you You know, I mean,
0: I think the nice thing about calling your senators is you can
1: keep doing more in addition to that. Like, I don't think it's a question of just, only phone calls. And I don't think that's a right. the suggestion there either, but certainly a part of flooding lines, overwhelming inboxes, uh, communicating a clear and consistent message over and over again. Right. Um, and I think, you know, starting with the calling and then building from there. Yes. Okay. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's okay. A- and uh, uh, let's Julie's going to pile on here. Julie says it is astounding how gullible people are. To the NRA Republican talking points, armed guards at schools—what the fuck? And they're blaming Democrats. It is astounding—or she says it's astounding—but she spells it astounding—that these people believe. I'm sad. I'm mad. But mostly dumbfounded. Our country is deeply splintered. And I'm—we've danced around this point today, Danny. And I'm very worried that we will end up having a civil war. Yeah, you know, end of empires usually does
1: not look uh, no. restful and beautiful. Um, no. It's something so surreal about this. You know, I mean, I, I was in high school when the Columbine shooting happened. Oh, and, um, oh. I think back now—it's been more than twenty years. And, yeah how much things have changed even since then and not in a direction that i could have possibly guessed at the time it just felt no like this is a once in a generation tragedy this will be remembered forever rather than this is the beginning of a new era uh where this <gasps> happens over and over and over and worse and worse and worse and
0: um that's just well oh, yeah. uh she uh makes a second comment julie You can see Julie's got got a B in her bonnet. The filibuster really is the first step. And then sweeping changes that will cause some violent eruptions, but they still have to happen. Gun control, abortion rights, ERA. She's right. If we can get the filibuster, we've won on gun control, abortion rights, and even the ERA. We If we can get the filibuster, but we don't have the majority in the Senate. People say we do. We don't. Also, she says, why am I going off like this? Here, let me let Julie continue. Also, I'd like every elected Republican leader who doesn't, listen to this. Hail, Julie, I salute you right here. Here's what Mm. she said. Also, I'd like every elected Republican leader who doesn't support gun control to lose their armed security. Mm. Cool. Oh man,
1: all of those. No, and of course, like you say the ERA and just my yeah. mind goes to next year it's gonna be the hundred year anniversary ah! when Alice Paul and Crystal Eastman yeah! first introduced the very first version really? of the ERA to Congress, December nineteen twenty three. Oh, That my was the god. first time. You it's don't been almost hundred years.
0: Oh my god. Well well, you know, Julie's right. We can get if we can get the filibuster. But we can't because of match, you know, mansion and you know, dick face c- cinema. Um, uh, yeah, then it's
1: like start with the people who are saying we can't get it and say, okay, yeah. let's get rid of you, and then, yeah, uh, okay, good, who gets what we need. Uh, I think uh, that's that's a good move,
0: okay. So, what here's Dawn. Dawn mm-hmm. suggests, so what do we do when the cards are stacked against us? We vote, we march. We hug our kids and grandkids one extra time. We run for office. We vote every single person beholden to the gun lobby out. We make the NRA irrelevant. And we do what needs to be done. For now, this is our reality. But we must take our power and stop this at every level of government that she's right see that she's laying it out sentence by sentence we've got to go on every level you know school boards on up get the gun nuts out of government period tell you what you've got some remarkable uh, listeners just oh know, my god they should, I know. thoughtful yeah it well you're not gonna like this one I saved the best one for you. The best one for last, Danny. Okay. This is from Ellen Berry. Ellen Berry is an attorney who was a criminal defense attorney, and one of our great, you know, ask Eugene Conflavers. And she says, "God, I hate this world. I hate how intractable this male violence is." how we glorify guns in some hands and we use guns to signify the worst abuses of power and expression of rage. Men can go buck off.
1: I, I, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I don't hate that. I think that's a deeply impassioned uh, and raw statement of frustration, fury, uh, grief. Right um And, you know, I, I'm glad she was able to, to write that. I'm glad you were able to read it.
0: Um, yeah. Well, Danny, uh, Danny, for many years, the world saw you as a woman. <laughs> and that's
1: such a beautiful and, and theatrical uh, prelude to discussing transition. And I might and yet, steal it from you for years. I was seen as this. And yet For years, the world <laughs> saw you as a woman,
0: Danny. And then you became a man. Uh, you made one of the most famous transitions in the last two decades. (laughs) Nobody was more famous transit. You went from Mallory Ortberg, the co-founder of the toast and the advice columnist, dear prudence to Danny M Lavery writer for the chatner for which Substack paid you $182 million. Uh, Correct me if I'm
1: wrong. (laughs) Listen, I tell you what, if you and I talked for longer than an hour, my head would be so big. I wouldn't be able to leave my apartment. I I just, you know, (laughs) For, for all, right. all the listeners listening, I just hope that they know I, I would never say
0: that I had the most famous transition. I, I love. Well, it. I wait, wait. <laughs> Who had a more famous transition than you did? Nobody. You can't. There's nobody. Even the dog agrees, right, Guff? Who's more famous? Right, exactly. Oh, so, oh, Danny, oh, say the dog agrees. Now, Danny, um, I want to leave this on an upbeat note. Do you have your book something that may shock and discredit you around? I can get a copy of it pretty quickly, I think. Yeah. Well, um, I was I, thinking I, on the male female thing. Sure.
1: Sure. I mean, listen, anything to get away from where you asked me to rank how famous other people's transitions are. So I support okay. this all the way.
0: <laughs> you wrote a piece called, if you can't parallel park, you have to get a sex change. It- Explains to our audience why you <laughs> finally decided.
1: Absolutely.
0: And the yeah, reason. And that's true, by
1: the way. That's still legally true. I'm I sure. know. I okay. know.
0: Would you read that piece to us? This is from your book. I have And the- ladies and gentlemen, you are about to hear why Mallory Ortberg <laughs> transitioned <laughs> and became. This fabulous person today, Danny and Lafferty.
1: Oh, you, you, have you found the
0: book. You are a treasure. I got the book, I got the chapter. <laughs> I'm Russian crimson. This is gonna get, we're gonna run over time just so we can hear this piece. I give right. it to you. All right,
1: I will uh read through this. Uh, yes, this please. is uh, called If You Can't Parallel Park, You Have to Get a Sex Change. I'll just stress, uh, so you all know, listening at home, take this with a grain of salt. You don't have to do either of these things. (laughs) Something a lot of people don't know about me is that my transition started the day I failed to parallel park correctly in front of a man standing outside my apartment complex. This is more (laughs) common than people think. Something like 38% of trans men cite the inciting incident of their transition. as being watched while failing to parallel park. There's no shame (laughs) in it. I wish we made more room for that conversation in our community. I'd parallel parked in front of my apartment hundreds of times at that point. It was, in fact, a point of pride with me at the time that I was a pretty reliable parallel parker, and I'd (laughs) even volunteered to help a friend struggling to parallel park once or twice in the past, hopping behind the wheel and finishing the job for them. It's no problem, I'd say, with neither excessive self-regard nor unnecessary self-deprecation. I'm just pretty good at parallel parking. (laughs) But something happened this particular day. I don't know if I'd just gotten stuck in my own head or if the spot I was backing into was a little narrower than usual or if the curve in the road made the angle more challenging. But I couldn't make it work. Halfway into the spot, (laughs) I'd have to admit I was about to run into the curb or was far closer to the other car's bumper to maneuver any further. And I'd spin the wheel back to the left and have to pull out into the middle of the street and start again. (laughs) Line up your mirrors. Get a little closer. Not so close, you'll scrape their door. Wait until your mirror reaches the middle of the other car to start turning the wheel. So I'd had to start over a few times. What of it? (laughs) It could have happened to anybody. I wasn't sweating yet. I was merely turning up the air conditioning prophylactically. Soon (laughs) I'd be at home with a nice cup of tea, ready to enjoy the rest of my long and happy life as a woman. Eventually, I noticed a man across the street, casually taking in my attempts to park. Oh, that
0: bastard! He's across the street! He
1: wasn't yet watching me, you understand, so even at this late point, I still held out hope. He was just out scoping the neighborhood, and I happened to be a part of the neighborhood at that particular moment. He wasn't really watching me, and the council would understand that if my case came up for review. A fourth attempt failed, and a fifth. The man began to take a more specific interest in my parking and wandered over no problem, I said to myself. There's no need to panic. You can just drive (laughs) off and park somewhere else where he can't see you. But I knew even then that as soon as he had seen me, I'd had only two options left. Park (laughs) perfectly or start transitioning. (laughs) When I had been assigned this particular district as a resident woman, the local council members had done their best to put me at ease. We're not looking for reasons to get rid of you, they said, smiling reassuringly during orientation. Everybody has an occasional slip-up. That's understood around here. But at my most optimistic, I couldn't imagine explaining a nine-time failure in front of a man over the age of 50 to (laughs) the news It got worse. The man knocked on my window and I rolled it down. It's (laughs) a tough spot, huh? He said cheerfully. My heart sank in me as I realized he was trying to be non-judgmental and friendly about the whole thing. He didn't even realize what he was doing. Sure is, I bellowed, hoping to mask the quiver in my voice. I'm having the darndest time of it. Anything I can do to help, he asked. No, no, I'm fine, thanks, I said. Neither of us believed it. You might want to swing a little farther out and try cutting the wheel over a little later, he suggested. I'll try that, I tripped. (laughs) I did. What was there to lose at this point? What on earth would the sisters want with a woman who couldn't park her own car on her own (laughs) street on a sunny day with no time limits? So I tried again, this time swinging a little further out and cutting the wheel over a little later as the man stood on the sidewalk and called out friendly encouragement. It hardly felt real. I swung the wheel out, then swung it back in, all the while trying to remember everything I'd ever heard about transitioning. I was going to have to buy a whole new wardrobe and develop upper body strength. While we do think of ourselves as reasonable people, they'd said at orientation. Obviously, we still have limits and an image to maintain. What we want for all of you is to be completely successful and to have all the support you need maintaining your presence as women in your districts. But within reasons, (laughs) it's one thing to need to circle the block and look for an easier spot to park. We've all been there. If, for example, you were to try and fail to parallel park in a place you had parked hundreds of times before, <laughs> and then you failed 10 times in a row, and a man saw you do it, well, has that ever happened? Someone has <laughs> asked. Anything oh. can happen, was oh. the only answer. It's just oh. an example. The man got friendlier and more helpful, and I got closer to tears. Eventually, I turned back out into the middle of the street and oh. gunned it, driving as fast as I could <laughs> until he disappeared from my rearview mirror. I ended up parking on an empty street about a mile away and walking home, all the while knowing what was already waiting for me. Oh. By the time I made it upstairs, I found a little vial of testosterone sipping it on the bed, <laughs> oh, along with a few 18- and 22-gauge needles, a pamphlet <laughs> from a nurse practitioner, a bottle of finasteride some isopropyl alcohol oh. wipes, and a note that read, simply, You understand, of course. We wish you all the best in your future endeavors, but your services are no longer required. <laughs> Anyways, I heard about your troubled parking yesterday, and some of the guys sent me over uh. to let you know that it happens all the time, and nobody blames you for it. We have a sort of unofficial transmasculine parallel parking club as it happens, and if you ever want to join us, we meet in the Safeway parking lot down by the marina most <laughs> Sunday nights. It's not such a bad life. Most of us have a little trouble with spatial reasoning and splitting the check if there's more than three people at the table. But on the plus (laughs) side, we can park anywhere we want.
0: Oh, bravo! It's one of the great decisions. Danny, (laughs) one of the great, you know, uh, we ripped up today's script. The whole show is going to be like what we just did here. But Danny just said, but Danny, you have given of yourself today. You listened to our problems. You helped, helped us sort of work through our sorrow. I think we all feel better that you've been here. I think, uh, you know, I think I know I feel better. Um, uh, and your, your book is called that you just read from something that may shock and discredit you. Your podcast is big mood, little mood. And of course, you reign supreme on Substack with the Chatner. Um, and thank you, Danny. Well, oh, thank uh, you,
1: Eugene This was delightful. You're you're a delight. You're a
0: treasure. I just loved. I loved every minute. And darlings, if you want to continue this discussion we're having right now about the school massacre in Texas, guns, violence, the U.S. Senate, men, women. And Danny Lavery, and if why don't you mention if you can parallel park? Uh, let's continue the discussion at Ask Eugene, my humble little Substack on, and it's the post titled "I'm Sick of Guns, I'm Sick of the Death," and that's it, doodle bangers, for our live Ask Eugene podcast. It will be on Apple and Sp Spotify tomorrow. And now, before I play the greatest theme song since Bobby Dylan's "It's a Hard Rain," hey, uh, Danny, have you listened to Dylan's "It's a Hard Rain" lately? Not, not recently. I don't think. Oh my God, he forecasts this whole thing. It's just—I uh, want to remind everybody what George Carlin said. He, Carlin said, "Conservatives are not pro-life; they are anti-woman." The Ask Eugene music. Is by Los Caterpillars. Greg Talenfeld and Melanie Rock. Incidentals by Little Red Church. Show art by the Rembrandt of his generation. Silent James. E. Gene. Ask Eugene is produced by. Are you kidding? The dog is played by Guffington Von Fluke. The cat is played by Bajana Chief Fireball. Email us at e gene J-E-A-N at Gene.com. Or send me a juicy voicemail, which I may play on the show. And here's the number. Write it down. 845-682-0881. Follow us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And do not be stingy with your five stars, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Don't be stingy with Danny's either. And remember what I always say. Fate loves the fearless. Call her on the phone. Call her on the phone.
1: When you're all alone,
0: darling, ask Eugene.
1: Ask Eugene. Ask Eugene. Good old Auntie E will fix your.